you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix, Arizona, that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Here we are. I'm glad to be here. Welcome to the first week of Advent once again. Um, I, well, first of all, I just loved singing with all of you. That was great. Thank you, Hannah, Anthony, and Breton for that. Um, and, and I feel this thing in the, the first week of Advent, one of my favorite seasons on the church calendar, actually, but I feel this conflicted spirit inside of myself um, as I preach this evening. Something in me is certainly a, aligned with the hope of this, this present season of waiting, of Advent, of, of it's turned the corner, almost, if you will. And, and then there's like this other part of me that I feel is maybe simultaneously dying during the anticipation of the coming of Jesus, which sounds morbid, except that I quite literally am. And so are you closer to death each day. Like that's it's just, it's a real thing. And also the world around us, I don't know if you've heard, seems embroiled in death as well. One million people have died globally in 2020 from COVID alone. That's just one virus. Our local hospitals are filling up. Death meets our world and many other viruses as well. And if you just pause for a moment and think about it, like we all long for a world free of all this death. And so excuse me, I guess, if I, if I can't quite hold it all together in my own being, and excuse you if you can't hold it quite together in your own being, as we struggle during this season of Advent and just in our current cultural moment together to, to wrangle some small dose of hope. I could just, we gotta, ah, how are we gonna get a hold of that? And Advent is a reminder that Jesus has come, that Jesus is now welcome, coming, present in our very midst. Like just pause for a moment and let that sink in. Jesus is among us right now. And Jesus will return. Robert Capon is right to remind us that it's not really the second coming we long for because Jesus is already here and always has been with us. In fact, we just long for him to finish out what he said he was gonna do and make all things new. So let's welcome Jesus who is in our midst, is among us right now in prayer. Let's engage our hearts in the old fashioned art of waiting and then we'll dive in to the passage. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we welcome you among us. And we acknowledge that we are people who feel the tension of the in-between. We strive to believe and hold on to the hope that you are a God who has come to this earth and walked among us, Emmanuel, God with us. And we long and strive to receive the gift that you are with us always. And we cast our eyes to the horizon, striving to believe that you will come again and make all things right. And so Jesus, meet us in the midst of that tension this evening. 
prepare our hearts to wait on you. Situate us in such a way that we would meet you, encounter you, and know that we are loved by you. And God, I also pray for myself this evening. I pray that I would only speak words that are for you and from you, that we would make much of you, that we would know you more and love you more and receive the love you have for us this evening. It's in your name we pray, amen. So this evening we find ourselves in Mark 13, 24 through 37. So if you're a follow along in the Bible kind of person, you can turn there or swipe there or however you wanna do it. I'll also read it to you. But it's a, it's a wild passage. I'll just tell you that before I jump in. And it's one of the passages that just makes me love the shenanigans of scripture. Like this is, it's just like, oh man, we gotta make our way through this. This is in there, huh? All right, Jesus said it even, no less. So it might even be in red letters in your Bible. And, and so here's this little piece at the end of Jesus's ministry in Mark, where Jesus is situated on the Mount of Olives, gathered with his disciples, and they're looking across the valley at the temple in Jerusalem, the center of all religious life that they've ever known. And they're looking out there, and they're looking at this temple this temple that these disciples are still at that moment tempted to situate, situate their entire lives around. But that actually in just a few decades from the moment that they gather on that mountain, that temple will be destroyed. This seems to be what Jesus is about to foreshadow. So here we are as Jesus concludes his ministry days away from dying. And the disciples ask him a question they say, what sign will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said that the temple would be destroyed, not a stone left unturned. And they're like, well, we would like to know when that's going to happen. And here's what Jesus says to them. Mark 13, 24 through 37. I'm just going to read the whole thing so you can embrace the shenanigans of scripture as well. Here's what Jesus said. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do when he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch for you don't know when the master of the household will return in the evening at midnight before dawn or at daybreak don't let him find you sleeping 
when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. Ah, yes, now you're filled with hope, aren't you? Bubbling over. Not quite, not quite. Here's what's going down. First, Mark's Jesus is telling us what will unfold after the anguish of those days. After the anguish of those days, that is following the destruction of the temple that will occur in their lifetime, his disciples' lifetime. And that idea, I'm here to tell you, isn't all that comforting either because it seems that Jesus is implying that the world will convulse in more suffering. Suffering, in fact, of cosmic proportions, right? You know the kind, right? Where the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. We've got a moon around. Yeah, the moon's still out, guys. It's not today. It's not today. But where is the hope in this? As we mine out the hope, it's helpful to remember anytime we're interpreting the scriptures that to take them seriously does not require us to take them literally. So Jesus is using a specific genre, an apocalyptic genre to communicate something to us. What is that? He says this after that morbid picture of the sun being darkened and the moon giving no light. He says, then everyone... Everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. You see, again, Jesus is using language from Daniel, where Daniel talks about this very thing happening. And Jesus wants his disciples to know. Remember, that's who he's sitting with right now, his disciples. He wants them to know that he is going to be the agent of God's liberation. The son of man, that is the human one. That's what it means. The human one, the incarnated one, the one who walked among us with human flesh on. And he will advent, right? He will arrive. He will be the coming one who comes with great power to set free all those beset by sin and sickness and slavery. Jesus has arrived in the incarnation, the first advent, and he's nearing the end of his life, sitting on this mountainside with his disciples, looking at a temple that will not make it out of their lifetime. The human one says... Essentially, I'm destined to die in solidarity with all the victims of injustice. That's what's going to unfold here in moments after this conversation. But the judgment bringing Jesus, right? Because he's laying out this picture of what's to come as well. This judgment bringing Jesus forces us to reckon with our own role in the state of things. Because they're like, what's going on now? that makes us question how you're going to act, Jesus. That's what they're asking. And this judgment bringing Jesus in this situation forces us to reckon with our complicitness in the work of injustice. You're either experiencing it or perhaps you're aiding in it. And Jesus is trying to shake all of that loose and invite us to join in the cry of all of those who suffer 
And they say, when will the injustice of the world come to an end? Those who suffer stand in a point where Jesus has come and is coming again and their cry is different than those who don't experience it. This might actually be a hopeful passage to one who suffers injustice. Yes, Jesus, come, clear it all out, lay him bare, let it be destroyed. And this is what the disciples want to know. And now today we even join them in asking these questions, right? Maybe we're shouting them or crying them or moaning them, but we wanna know when will this final advent happen? Oh, come, oh, come, God who is with us and make the final advent happen. Because hidden smack dab in the middle of this passage is the sting of lament, which doesn't seem like the Christmas season at all. It's the disciples asking, how long, oh Lord, how much longer? Right, and I can almost hear the disciples going, hold on, Jesus, you're telling me that we have no idea how much longer this will be? You're telling me you don't know? Jesus, you don't know? And Jesus is like, only the Father knows. And you're like, okay. So hold on, you guys have been in cahoots this whole time. And we get to this point, Jesus, we're at the end, you're days away from dying, and you don't know? And it's tension. And we cry out, how much longer, how much longer, how much longer? These disciples Jesus is sitting with on the mountainside will experience much worse than what they're asking Jesus to intervene into in that moment. The majority of them die terrible deaths. The temple they're looking at together at that moment is actually destroyed almost immediately after Mark's gospel is written in like 65 to 70 BCE. Where's the hope in that? And honestly, this is the tension of Advent. Everything in our current cultural moment clamors for things to be sped up, to be easy, to be answered with the tap of our fingertips. Now, 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 now. And Jesus, not entirely reassuring, says, only the Father knows. And so we wait and probably swear while we wait, which I won't do right now. And this leads us to the question, what's likely to happen to people exhausted from waiting? What do you think is likely to happen to people exhausted from waiting? No, seriously, any ideas? They fall asleep. Thank you, Isaac. They fall asleep. Here's what Jesus has to say. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip 
When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, Watch for him, stay alert, keep watch, don't sleep. That's what Jesus has to say. It would seem the danger for those of us who followed Jesus, according to Mark and his gospel here, is not a dramatic rejection of the faith or a refusal to step up in a critical moment. It is actually the practice of being lulled to sleep of losing a vision for God's presence and power before the presence and power come to full fruition. And how do you know if you're being lulled to sleep? Here's the thing. Don't. Like just imagine you're laying in your bed. Let's pretend it's last night. Can you name the very moment you fell asleep? No, right? No, someone else might be able to tell you, but that's the thing about falling asleep. It's impossible for the one falling asleep to accurately define the point at which they actually fell asleep. The thing about sleeping is that we slide into slumber slowly end up asleep. So what does this mean in the family of God? What does it mean to wake up? What does it mean to be alert, to be on our guard? Here's what I want you to do. I I want you to pause right now. Would you just, ironically enough, would you close your eyes, but don't go to sleep. And would you invite Jesus just at this moment, right now, would you invite Jesus to wake you up? Invite Jesus to help you pay attention to his kingdom unfolding in this world right now. Invite Jesus to help you watch for ways to participate. And would you invite Jesus to awaken you to his reorienting love. Wake up. Wake up. So I ask the question, right? I ask us, who are we going to be? Will Kaleo be a church that keeps watch, that is alert, that is on our guard, that isn't lulled into sleep? If yes, and I hope it's yes, but one person doesn't get to announce yes for the group of people because that's the beauty of it. We need one another to stay awake. I mean, it's it's a good old church joke, right? If somebody's falling asleep in church and you're like, but we literally need that in this world or else we'll be lulled into slumber 
and it'll happen slowly and we'll slide there and we'll miss out on the fact that Jesus is present and breaking in in this current moment. But we also won't be able to shake the tension that things are not as they should be. Stay awake, be alert, be on guard and participate in the kingdom that is now and is soon to be. There's this great saint, this woman named Teresa of Avila. And y'all can come up and play here in a moment. And she, she prays a, a prayer that invites us to join in, in the coming of Jesus, right? The advent of Jesus in the here and now as we wait. Here's what, here's what she says. She says, Christ has no body now, but yours. No hands no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth, but yours. Our allegiance is with Jesus. He's the one we follow. He's the one who guides us. He's the one who leads us. And our individual work makes sense only in relationship to the shared work of others who have been similarly entrusted with responsibility for tending to God's work of healing and loving and proclaiming and holding fast while the Lord is away. And so it is together that we say, come Lord Jesus, today, even as we wait. Let's sit in that for a moment. Again, invite Jesus to meet you here, to awaken you. Be awakened to his presence that is with us now. Be awakened to his invitation to move together as the family of God. And awaken to his invitation to join his mission of bringing his kingdom to this earth. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you keep us awake together? Would you keep us alert together? And would you meet us in the midst of this tension that things are in fact not as they should be? But we participate with you, the God who does in fact change things.
to institute hope in the here and the now. Come, Lord Jesus. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.